So we are on chapter 11 of the fall quarter, lesson 11 of the fall quarter, and the title of the lesson is Paul's Denunciation of Heresy. I know I said this last week, but this time I'm not kidding. <laughs> and the verses are cha Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 23. So Lord, we thank you for this message from Paul to the Colossian church and his warning against uh, heresy, and his war warning specifically against human philosophy. And, uh, you know, we deal with that today, and so we pray that you'd help us to, as we learn from this, protect us from dangerous uh, human anti-God philosophies. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're on Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. We're starting. And the first section is called the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so the uh, section A is the fullness of Christ. That is Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. And I'll read that. Everyone's getting situated here. So Colossians 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Okay, that's some heavy stuff. What does that make you think of? Using our discernment for sure, yes. He says, he starts off, in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. So what philosophies do we have in the world today? There are several. Okay. Okay. Yes. That is from cultural Marxism, right? That That is a philosophy. Yes. Cultural Marxism. Uh, anybody ever heard of existentialism? Yeah, that was big decades ago, and that was, you know, a theologian, uh, Kierkegaard, was one of the beginning existentialists, so he was a heretic. Also, I, I would have difficulty defining existentialism, but this is what one famous existentialist said. Jean-Paul Sartre. Life is an empty bubble on the sea of nothingness. <laughs> that that is the yeah that that is the uh, What's the last name? Sartre S A R T E is a French philosopher. You know, and uh, you know Albert Camus, um, Kafka, Franz Kafka. You know, I once read a book. In uh, college, it was not assigned in college, but I was a college student, so I got it from a bookstore. Read Franz Kafka, Kafka, and it was it was, and I read the whole thing, 
and it was just an exercise in total futility. It was about a surveyor who had a job to survey something, and the whole thing was about how he was blocked at every point and failed. <laughs> and that was the, I think the name of it was The Castle. But anyway, that is existentialism. And basically, the, the existentialists believe there's no point to life. There's no point, and you just have to make the best of it. That is, and um, what did Solomon? Yeah, so anyway, Solomon, writing as an old man who had fallen into idolatry, said this. This is Ecclesiastes 1, verse 14 through 18. He says, I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, Behold, I have magnified and increased wisdom more than all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my mind has observed a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I realized that this also is, is striving after wind, because in much wisdom there is much grief, and in increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. At the end, he comes to the right conclusion. The end of the book. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. Yeah, so the ancient philosophy that Paul was battling was that there is secret knowledge that is not available to all. That was the Gnostic um, thing that he was battling. So I looked up a few philosophers because... Uh, I just wanted to see Immanuel Kant. He argues that human understanding is the source of the general laws of nature, and belief in God arises from human reason. So he believes that we make up God. And he influenced Hegel. Anybody ever heard of Hegel? Hegel has the dialectic where you have, uh, you know how it goes, Alex? There's opposing forces and one argument against another argument, and then there's a synthesis, and it moves on. It's uh, some kind of dialectic. I can't remember that is. Yeah. Uh, is that Plato? Yeah. Well, and Hegel influenced Marx, who was a philosopher, who gave us a, a materialistic dialectic, which is communism. Oh, boy. Uh, Nietzsche, a German philosopher, who, you know, went on to say, the, these people move progressively further as they try to reason things out without God. Wow. Nietzsche uh, proclaimed that God is dead, and he inspired Hitler's Third Reich. Yeah, I, I'm just saying philosophy is evil, human philosophy. Um, psychology is similar. Right. Well, the, you know, that's the, the fallen nature just um, rebels against uh, any notion of God. So psychology is re relatively recent, started in the 1800s. It tries to heal mental processes while excluding God. Uh, one of the famous ones was William James. He was uh, an American, 
uh, he promoted something called functionalism. I didn't look into it enough to actually figure out what that was. But then came psychoanalysis by William Freud. Not William Freud, Sigmund Freud. You know, he's the one who talks about unconscious processes are what drive you. The id, the ego, stuff like that. You know, laying on the couch, that is Sigmund Freud. And he was uh, uh, very, uh, he was an atheist. And then behaviorism, Pavlov, Pavlov's dog, remember that? B.F. Skinner. Uh, Carl Rogers is uh, another one which is kind of an offshoot of that. But the, the point is that all of them fall short of what we need. Rogers. Okay, yeah, humanism. Humanism is a religion with its own doctrinal statements. Again, excluding God. And so Paul is saying, and for all of these things, we need to realize this. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men. Verses 9 and 10, For in him, Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. So if we want to see God, we look at Jesus. And in him, so remember when we believe we are placed in him. In him you have been made complete. You have been made complete. So, um, yeah, you have been made complete, and he, Jesus, is the head over all rule and authority. If you're in Christ, you're complete. Amen. You don't need other things. Amen. You don't need humanistic philosophy, and actually, if you go down that path, it will screw you up. <laughs> okay. Okay, it's coming. It's coming. It is coming there, sister. Yeah. So anyway, philosophy and psychology are dangerous as well as useless. What is needed is growth spiritually in following Christ. I know. I mean, part of going to school is being uh, is being yes. It it is. It's being indoctrinated into the world system. Yeah. Well, usually when you're going through college, you don't understand that. I didn't understand that. I did not. And um, so what we want to do is grow in Christ. What happens, yeah, what happens when we grow? We begin to walk more and more walk in the Spirit. And as we walk in the Spirit, we bear spiritual fruit, you know, the fruit of the Spirit against which there is no law. Okay, so, um, you know, and the Colossian church had false teachers in there that were teaching these things, and they, they tend to destroy the church. You know, as you follow the Lord day by day, walk with him, it will transform a person into what they were created to be. Not perfectly, because, you know, as we've said a million times, we deal with our sin nature also day by day, but um, we can get better at it. We can walk more consistently uh, in the Spirit as we pr practice. So verse 11, 
In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Yeah, notice in this passage, Paul says three... You're excused. Paul says three times in him, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. In him you have been made complete. In him you were circumcised. So how were you circumcised? My faith. Okay, yeah. It is circumcision of the heart. Mm -hmm. So um, how does that work? Can someone describe that to me? But this circumcision, this circumcision happens like this. Yep. Before you really learn too much, you know. With Christ, you're joined with him in his death when you believe in him. This is, becomes the circumcision of the heart. You're joined with Jesus in his death. So what does it mean if you're joined with him in his death? You know, it's symbolized by water baptism. It is not the real thing. Water baptism is not the real thing. But water baptism is a public declaration of what has happened to you when you believe in Jesus. And it's one of the first things he tells you to do. It is the first step in spiritual growth, is to be baptized, right? After you believe. But Romans 6, 3 and 4 says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him, through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So as you were joined with him in death, the connection between your sin nature and your will is cut. It is broken. You know, an unbeliever is tied to their sin nature. They can't do anything about it. And so they will sin. Naturally. It, once you are joined with Christ by faith, you are joined into his death. And so, instead of saying, you are dead to me, now you say, I am dead to you. What's interesting about this is, you know, sin doesn't die. The sin nature doesn't die, but the person dies. The, your identity in Adam dies. Your identity is changed from Adam to Christ. And so the sin nature is there, but you're dead to it. That's how you get circumcised in the heart. And, um, you know, Romans 6 through 8 goes through that, and it's deep. <laughs> it is deep stuff. So anyway... Yeah, 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So basically, we believe in Jesus, we are united with him, both in his death and in his resurrection. And that is how we can walk in the Spirit, because we have a new nature that is willing to walk in the Spirit, and the Spirit empowers us to do what the new nature wants to do. The new, the new nature doesn't have power. 
it has a desire. That's Romans chapter 7. You know, to try to do it in your own willpower doesn't work. It doesn't work. Your willpower is not enough. You need the Holy Spirit. This is a mystery to me. But that's what it says. Anything else about that? Your philosophy should come from Scripture. Scripture says there is a creator. He is not you. He created you. He loves you. And he wants the best for you. Amen. And that heals all sorts of emotional problems. You know, when you know that. And when you walk in that truth, um, and, you know, there's all sorts of details, which the Bible is a big book. <laughs> and, and so learning the details and practicing the details will give you uh, emotional health. And, yes. Yes, you need hope. You know, if, you are, if you're going to a psychologist who's also an existentialist, life is an empty bubble on the sea of nothingness. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do with that? Yeah, you know, I mean, no, that's why the, these people commit suicide. Amen. You know, they, there's no hope in it at all. And, I mean, all the other religions are, you know, in Christianity, which is the only true philosophy, we have hope for the future. And that's what makes the present tolerable when it's no fun. It makes the present okay. It makes you actually able to have joy when things are going bad for you, you know? Because that is supernatural. That doesn't make any sense. Except for this, what has happened to us, that we have died with Christ, and then we've been raised with him. Yes, it's temporary. It's temporary. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so section B is the triumph of Christ. That's 13 through 15. Somebody want to read that piece? 13 through through the cross. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so um, wonderful things happen when you trust in Christ. Much more than we realize when it happens. John 5, 24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, present tense, and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, remember that's what Paul said three times in that prior section, that you're in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. You know, the Lord kind of recreates you when you believe in Christ. You're a new creation once you believe. So the quarterly says, exactly, exactly. Yeah, the, the worm becomes the butterfly. The quarterly says Christ has put the sinful nature to death which is not right. Every now and then I have to correct the quarterly. Your sinful nature is not dead. Yeah, your, your sinful nature is not dead. What dies is you. You die when you believe in Christ. 
because you're joined with him in his death. And so the believer then is disconnected from the sin nature. But he has the ability, which is very easy, to go back to it if he wants to or she wants to. If you want to follow the sin nature, you can. But you don't have to. Right, right. And that, you know, that is... Um, that is that that is the uh, sad reality of the carnal Christian. He can be saved, going to heaven, and decide that he would prefer to live in the sin nature, according to the sin nature. And know that the mind, uh, the mind set on carnal things, set on the flesh, is death, and so his life will be destroyed. Here by setting his mind on the flesh as a Christian. But he will go to heaven because Jesus made a promise to him that he will keep. So we don't want that to take that path because that path is extreme pain. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, you get sick of it, right? Sin is nasty. Its results are horrid. And um, so... It's much better to just walk with the Lord. That is verse 13. When you are dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that is the unbeliever, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. So he paid the debt. Yeah, and then verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. So all of us were born into Adam's likeness, and as we age, we rack up a list of debt, each one of us, every one of us, because we're naturally selfish. You know, that's how you're born. Just watch a little baby. They're, they're, they're born selfish. Yeah, and, and prideful, and uh, we're not connected to God. And um, so you rack up a, a list of sins against you. And what Jesus did at the cross was he canceled it out. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So he, you know, for every person they have this list, Jesus nailed tens bazillion lists to the cross <laughs> when, when he died on it. Put cetera, et cetera, <laughs> That's right. That's right. Does. Yeah, the lists are long. The yeah. lists are long and varied. But he nailed it there for every person who ever did live or ever will live. That's a lot of sins. And so now, if anyone, that is why the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin, and the sin is not believing in Jesus. Because that is the way to get your sin paid for. If you don't believe in that, you have to pay for it yourself. Where do you do that? In the lake of fire. And that's no fun. So nobody wants to do that. Yeah, it, you know, that lasts a long time. So anyway, he, he canceled our sin not by nullifying God's law. He just didn't say, oh, oh, that's okay. He paid it. He paid the debt. And that's one of the yeah, no, I read this little booklet by Lewis Berry Chafer recently. Um, it's called True Evangelism, and it's tailoring, tailoring your evangelism to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Mm, that's good, yeah. 
Yeah, and so the Spirit is telling people that they, they're convicting them of sin. The sin is not believing in Jesus. Convicting them of righteousness, that God accepted Jesus' righteousness. And he will give his righteousness to the person who believes in him. And convicting them of judgment. Satan was judged. And Satan is going down. And if you don't accept Jesus' offer, you go down with him. That is how the Spirit is convicting the unbelieving world. And so that's how you should tailor your evangelism. Can I repeat? Uh, Jesus, in the Upper Room Discourse, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is coming and will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment of sin because they don't believe in me, Jesus, of righteousness because I go to the Father, so he accepted his righteousness, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is now judged, Satan. So if you do not align yourself with Jesus, you align yourself with the ruler of this world, and he is a defeated foe. And so you you are going to be defeated yourself and go down with him. So, um, and, you know, so if you talk to people like that, the Holy Spirit is convicting them of those same things. And it will be more, can they resist it? Yes, they can. See, that's the, that's the little problem there. <laughs> yeah, they can they resist it. Yeah, they can resist it because they're in the image of God. And they they have the ability to to resist. Yeah, they they have their own will. So all we can do is persuade. But persuading in accordance with what the spirit is doing is probably the most efficient way of evangelizing. Well, it goes a long way the masters so too, but that it does. The righteousness. Yeah, the righteousness. that You need the righteousness of Jesus. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, that does kind of uh, correlate with that. It is hard. Because we fall. We're still sinful. We still struggle with our sin nature, you know. But we just, uh, you know, we, we won't be sinless, but we can become sinning less as time goes on, as we follow the Lord. Yeah, you want to be a spiritual believer because that gives you a platform to evangelize, you know. If people see a life that is following the Lord and it's obvious, then they might listen. <laughs> more, more, they're more likely to listen. It's typically just a remnant is when they're doing that. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, that's what we want to uh, resist. So anyway, verse 15 says, When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. So verse 15 appears to have two members of the Trinity there. He had disarmed the rulers and authorities, the Father. He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him, the Son. So, um, what does that sound like? Who who are these rulers and authorities? Do you think? Demonic. Yeah, I think so. I think the rulers are and authorities listed here are demonic authorities. Paul also says that in six 
uh, Ephesians 6, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So um, Jesus stole the victory from Satan. Satan thought he was going to win because he arranged to send Jesus to the cross. Remember, Satan entered Judas as Judas went to go get the folks to arrest Jesus. Satan was involved personally in that. So he thought, I've got him now. <laughs> I've got him now. Yeah. No, he's... he's yeah, he, he has tried to interrupt all along from Eden. From Eden, he's tried to interrupt. But um, Jesus stole the victory from Satan, and that's why he said, the ruler of this world is now judged. That was a prophecy, short-term prophecy of Jesus in the upper room. It was the night before he died. And the next day, that prophecy came true. So um, I wrote down, like a Hail Mary pass. Oh, Jesus told the victory from Satan like a Hail Mary pass. <laughs> I don't think that's true. You know, I think the Lord, the Lord knew all along. And the Lord foreknew it. It was his plan that the Jews would reject their Messiah and that they would turn him over the Romans and he would die by crucifixion, which was prophesied a thousand years beforehand. So, um, and that judged Satan. And that's in John sixteen fourteen, which is what we were just talking about, what the Spirit does in conviction. Okay, so next, C, sections. Anything else about this? The triumph of Christ Jesus triumphed by dying. That's kind of not the way, you know, we think of as triumphing, but that's how he did it. Okay, section C is the reality of Christ. Anybody want to read that one? 16 through 19? Yeah, 16 through 19. Okay, thank you. Okay, now part, part of what was happening in Colossae was um, the, the Judaizers and you know, these Gnostics said, you must obey the Jewish uh, law, the Mosaic law. And uh, t telling the Gentiles this. So that is what he's dealing with here as, as part of his rebuttal of these things. So, but verse 16 says, Therefore no one is to ask, act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. So he says, therefore, there. Now, what does that make you do? That makes you look back and say, why, why is he saying that, right? Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or respect to a festival or new moon or Sabbath day. What is he talking about, therefore? He just dis disarmed the rulers and authorities. You can't add to the words you do on the cross. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the assurance of salvation is such an important doctrine. It is so important because otherwise you live in fear all the time. Or we think we do it on our own merit. Yeah, you, you, you live in fear or you become self-important if you think you're doing well. Exactly, you know, and the, neither one of those are, are good ways to live, and they don't produce spiritual fruit. They don't produce the fruit of the Spirit. So, um, right. So they, they had been telling the Colossian church that they had to do these in respect to their justification or their standing before God. That is not true. Christ fulfilled the law for all who believe. When you believe in Christ, you have fulfilled the law. You're justified before God. He has accepted that righteousness. It's a done deal. And that righteousness is transferred to you. Okay, and so, for the Gentiles, there are not requirements regarding food or Jewish festivals or the Sabbath. These are shadows of what is to come. They were they are looking forward to the Messiah. These are shadows representing Christ, but he himself has come. He is the substance. Jesus is the substance. When you have him, you have all these things that are pointing to him. Right. In the millennial kingdom, animal sacrifice will be reinstituted. Yeah, and that will be a memorial to what Jesus did. Yeah, we can meet with him at any time. This right, it's never a bad time. So Romans fourteen one through four also speaks about this. This also is Paul. He says, "Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions." So if you're weak in faith, that means you're a less mature believer, right? You're weak in faith. One person has faith that he may eat all things. But he who is weak eats vegetables only. Okay, so the person who is weak in faith places upon himself a more stringent diet. This is not necessary, but he does not yet understand that because he's weak in faith. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. So if you do have an unlimited diet, you're not to look with contempt on the, on the person who is, you know, more less mature in the faith. And so they're restricting their diet. What you should do is help them to grow. And then the one who is less mature in his faith is not to judge the one who eats whatever he wants. Okay? For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Yeah, Jesus, you know, you are justified when you believe. You are justified when you believe if you're a hooker that is currently working. You are justified. Okay? Now, as time goes on, the Holy Spirit will convict you not of this important sin of believing in Jesus. As you read the Bible, you'll be convicted of other things. 
Right. I mean, You'll be yes. convicted of other things. And as you are convicted of that, you now have a new nature that says, I want to obey God and the Holy Spirit to empower you to do it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, what, what happens is sin starts to make you nauseous. Sin starts to make you feel horrid, you know, because that's it is horrid. <laughs> it, it becomes what it is to you, you know, and so you you um, and plus you you love the Lord. You want to please the Lord. How can I please you, Lord? This is how I can please you. Yeah. Yeah. That is the horrible part. We don't want to do that. We love him. Yeah. We we love the Lord and we want to please Him, and sometimes we mess up, but we have First John one nine, right? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is another uh, verse in relation to um, don't let anyone judge you regarding festivals or food or the Sabbath. First Timothy four three. Um, talks about men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. Jesus made all food clean. Now, I, I talked to Dane about this because in the Jerusalem Council they said abstain from blood. And Dane said, blood is not food. <laughs> oh, yeah. So anyway, and and I think the British have blood pudding, right? Which just sounds icky. It sounds icky, but yeah. So anyway, you know, I I tend to not. I would not eat blood. <laughs> you know, I was a heart surgeon, and I was talking to a, a missionary down in El Paso, and you know, came across this uh, uh, the letter in Acts fifteen about blood, and he says. She says, yeah, I don't think I get a transfusion like the Jehovah's Witnesses. He's Presbyterian. I said, really? I said, now, you know that I give I transfuse people every single day, don't you? <laughs> you know? You know, I don't think that's what this it's talking about. It's talking about eating it. Eating it, not taking it, um, you know, as uh, for medication. It's not as tasty. So anyway, how do we get off on that now? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I did. So anyway, I mean, we are in a different dispensation than the law. Yes, yes, eating blood is, is uh, pagan. It is pagan. It's uh, associated with demonism. Yes. So, um, so Jesus Himself has come. So, verse eighteen. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of the angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. So Jesus saying, let no one defraud you of your salvation there. Is he saying, let no one defraud you, keep defrauding you of your justification before God there? No, he's saying, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize. What is your prize? Yeah, you know, as you walk with the Lord, you accrue reward in heaven. You know that. We've talked about that a million times. 
As you submit to the Lord day by day, this is what Jan is talking about, you accrue reward in heaven. It builds up. It adds up. You have another list after you're a believer. That is what he's talking about. If you listen to false teachers, they will defraud you of that prize, like your mother. So these are the these are the prizes. First Corinthians three eleven through fifteen. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's how you're justified before God. Now, if any man builds on the foundation, so that is the day after you're saved. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, those would be things as you follow the Spirit. Gold, silver, precious stones. As you are in the Word, you're praying, the Lord is urging you to do something, and you yield. That is gold, silver, precious stones. Or wood, hay, and straw. It says, I just think I'll do what I feel like. I'm not going to listen to you, Lord. Forget the Bible. I'm throwing it out. <laughs> I'm doing what I want. That is wood, hay, or straw. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. So all of your works, since salvation, since justification, will go into a fire. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So the works that are prompted by the Spirit, that you yield to the Spirit and do, will uh, survive that fire. And that is the basis for your reward. And what is he saying here? These false teachers are defrauding them of this prize. By delighting in self-abasement, which is unnecessary, and the worship of the angels, which is idolatry, right? And taking his stand on visions he has seen. So, you know, they were saying, oh, I've seen this vision. Visions can come from more than one source. They don't all come from God. And these ones were from uh, demonic sources. So basically, asceticism, which he's talking about here, delighting in self-abasement, that is asceticism, it arises from the flesh, and it yields to spiritual pride. If you're a successful ascetic, uh, you know, another sin is the worship of angels, that is idolatry, and that comes from, you know, the Mosaic law given from Mount Sinai, you shall place no other gods before me. That is idolatry, right. And what does John say at the end of his little baby epistle, First John, it's not baby epistle, but anyway, little children, guard yourselves from idols. So we don't worship angels. We don't pray to angels. Verse 19, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. That is how you grow. So what the um, what asceticism, because remember the Gnostics thought that spiritual was good, and flesh was bad. And they thought that, thought that they were so separate that they could do things with their bodies, like, uh, you know, have orgies, 
and it didn't affect their spirit. Okay, and so that's why they did it. So they viewed their material forms with disgust, and they tried to humble their bodies with ascetic, self-denying practices. You know that that's hard, that doesn't work. Just think about when you're dieting. That is a form of asceticism. You're, you're denying your body. It's hard to do, isn't it? You tend to rebound because that's just how it works. You know, and and willpower does not work. The Holy Spirit works. Now the uh, quarterly again went too far as far as verse nineteen. Let me remind you what that was. And not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. So these false teachers are not holding fast to the head. And this is what the quarterly says. Likewise, those who, um, let's see, when a limb of the body is cut off, its separation from the body begins the process of physical corruption. Likewise, those who separate themselves from Christ are detached from God's church and are spiritually dead. So they're saying that if you follow these false teachers after you're saved, I'm I'm thinking this is what they're saying, that you will become again spiritually dead. That is going too far. That is not what this is saying. Once you are born again, you are spiritually alive. You remain spiritually alive for all eternity, and the only requirement is trust in Jesus Christ at a point in time. This will take away your prize. That is what it does. It does not make you spiritually dead. It makes you useless for God. And that's what, you know, all the warnings about, you know, James and things like that, it is protection against uselessness. It is not losing your salvation. That cannot happen. Okay, let me just read this last one. The Liberty of Christ, verses 20 through 23. If, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees, such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men? These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Legalism is of no value against fleshly indulgence. Like you say, right, and that's true. That is what law does. Let, let, me, this, let me just read you this one more thing. Romans 7, verse 4 and 5. Therefore, my brethren, you also are made to die to the law, through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who is raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. Law inflames your sin nature. When there's a rule there, what does your sin nature do? It rebels against the law. Naturally. 
I'm sorry. I'm, I'm look, I am looking at you. I'm sorry. I'm at Alex. I'm, uh, let's look at Alex. Okay, we'll all look at Alex. No. Yeah, the, see, so we're not under the law. What We have been placed into a relationship with God, and we follow him. And um, does he tell us things to do? Yes. And we submit day by day, you know. It's hard to, for me to understand, but um, law does, you know, when you have a rule, you nod at it, you think about it, you're like, yeah. I want to, I want to, yeah, I don't know, cookies there, yeah, yeah. Arnold Fruchtenbaum said it very good. He said, uh, law gives sin a base, a, 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 a base of operation because the sin nature, the law is holy, but the sin nature naturally rejects the law. Because it just doesn't want to do it. <laughs> you know? So, anyway, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.